Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. to talk all things dirty birds it's falcons flyover with john chuckery on sports radio 92.9 the game back in the key studios on sports radio 92.9 the game john chuckery show live on this tuesday evening with you 404-726-0929 that is our solomon brothers diamond text line to be a part of the show this course tonight look at all things atlanta falcons it is the falcons flyover We'll talk to our buddy Chad Bishop coming up here in about twenty, uh, about 15 minutes from right now after Tech's uh, really nice win over the weekend. Um, so Evan Birchfield doing his kind of recap of pro football focus grades for the Falcons versus Lions in week three. Uh, the top five uh, offensive grades, Michael Pruitt was number one at 75.8. Jake Matthews was number two at 71.9. Tyler Algier at 70.5. Matthew Bergeron was fourth at 69.5. And Kadero Hodge was fifth at 68.9. As far as the Falcons' uh, defensive uh, grades go, Nate Landman had an 87.5. Calais Campbell was a 78.4. Ebba Cady was a 73.6. A.J. Terrell was a 73.3. And Grady Jarrett was a 70.5. Now, uh, other notables, by the way, too. He's got Kyle Pitts was a 60.2. Bijan was a 52.7. Desmond was a 40.8. Bud Dupree was a 69.6. And Jesse Bates was a 58.7. Now, I will say, well, I I, I know Jesse Bates led the team in tackles. People are going to say, well, why is his grade like that? Because most of the time he's getting those tackles after guys were catching the football in front of him for a first down. But anyway, that's a whole other deal. Um, here's the thing, Nate Landman. So we know now that Troy Anderson is going to IR. And look, I, and I, Day-Day, I specifically talked about this a few weeks ago with, with, with D-Led. Did I not? Yes, I you said, did. I said, did I not say, well, I know the coaches really like Landman. I think he's got a chance. And he came out and started it wasn't yep. it wasn't Tay Davis or whatever or whatever for cock the name he threw out there. So I gotta call out D Led on all that. D Led. Start listening to your boy over here. Anyway. Um, but I've listen, I thought Nate Landman uh over the last couple of weeks has done some nice things. Now, I don't know if he's Troy Anderson or not or whatever like that, but 
I think he's a comparable, a comp, a competent backup for Troy Anderson. And, and I like having Landman on the field. I think he does a lot of different things. Look, again, when you play a guy like that enough times, he will get exposed on some plays. That's the nature of the NFL. Teams will try to pick on him. I get that. But that's the nature of the NFL. But I thought that he's done a nice job when he's been in there. So, again, now that Troy Anderson is headed to IR for the season, um, and, and Arthur Smith kind of, you know, kind of prefaced that was going to happen when, you know, again, he was talking about that the shoulder injury was looking more serious than what they thought and all this, that, and the other. And it was kind of like, okay, maybe this is a sign of things to come. And sure enough, Anderson goes on IR for the uh, the year. But we'll see. Uh, but but so far, so good with Nate Landman um, in that game or in the last couple of weeks. All right. Falcons do open up as a um, three-point underdog in London to the uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, of course, we'll have all of the action coming up here on Sunday as pregame will be at 7.30. Kickoff will be 9.30. So I'm guessing day-day that there's no uh, – that there's no Falcon um, Wade Ford show that day because unless you're telling me the Wade Ford show is – from 5.30 to 7.30 in the morning? Well, we do have a pregame show at 7.30. Well, so, yes. But, so, but, but, the, but the actual Wade Ford, yeah. The, well, the pregame show was 7.30. That's Chris Goforth and, right, and, and Mike ha- Johnson. But I don't think they're going to have a, a oh, you know, the, Wade the, Ford at 5.30 yeah, in the no, morning. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Harper's not getting up that early. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and Freaky's not getting up that early. I was about to say, so. that would be uh, – <laughs> I don't think Falcons fans will be up that early. Yeah. So, uh, but pregame will be at 7.30, 9.30 kick. Wes and Dave will have the call on uh, on all of that uh, from London. And um, look, again, we talked about this early on in the show. You're going to have to win at the line of scrimmage. And, and this is a wounded animal in Jacksonville. Things have not gone as well. Like, they were picked apart by C.J. Stroud last week. Which makes them dangerous in yes, this game. Yes, I know. And, and, again, this is one of those teams that – you have to play smart football, and you don't get too cute on offense or defense, but you got to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. You got to get pressure on a guy like that, and you got to get back to the basics and run the football. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk more about that game coming up tomorrow night. We'll talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, and we'll get you ready for action over in London um, as the Falcons are a three point underdog. Now, I thought this was interesting. So there's been a lot of scuttlebutt going around, and and not even from anybody credible, but the idea of, well, the Cowboys should be in the business of trading for Kyle Pitts. Okay? Um, That kind of came out of left field. Well, so Jane Slater of NFL Network, so she's, she's kind of the, I don't, she's not, she does all of the NFL, but she's kind of like the beat writer for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Like, that's that's the team that, that she's around the most. And by the way, Day-Day, can I say that that Jane Slater is one of the most beautiful women in the entire world? I actually but... reached out to her for you, for the show, that oh, okay. is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. For the show, that Harumph. is. Harumph. Harumph. 
Oh, by the way, we got Rankum coming up uh, tonight, too. Um, but uh, that Jane Slater is, uh, whew, she's an amazing woman. Um, by the way, she's in her 40s, too, by the way. I mean, not like she's like some 25. She's in her 40s. Like, she's, anyway. Um, can we talk about Jane Slater some more? Um, but she said that she talked to a source with the Atlanta Falcons, and they said no way that the Falcons would entertain trading Kyle Pitts. Now, look, again, there's no chance on Hades in Hades that, that the Falcons are trading Kyle Pitts right now. Like, again, that's that's a, a ridiculous assumption. And I know it's fodder because, well, Kyle Pitts isn't getting used right and all this kind of stuff. And I understand that, you know, and I understand the idea of, well, they don't have Mark Witten anymore, you know, or one of those kinds of guys, you know, in Dallas. And it's a logical thing to say, hey, look, just pull the bubblegum cards out and let's put them in our spokes and we make it all work out, right? Okay. I mean, I, I, I understand that. But, um, but obviously, look, there's no chance that the Falcons are looking at trading Kyle Pitts away. No matter what you think about Kyle Pitts or what you think about the quarterback situation or the play calling or whatever like that, they're not giving up on Kyle Pitts three years into this thing, especially when he's had all the injuries and stuff coming back from all that. Like, they're not getting into that kind of business. Again, you might as well just tank at that point. I mean, again, you might as well just, again, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at trading Kyle Pitts, what, three years into his career, then you're not a very stable organization to start with. So Jane Slater talked about the idea of she said that there was no chance um, that there would be any, in, any, even any rumors about the idea of trading for uh, a Kyle Pitts to the uh, Dallas Cowboys. But she said she did. She did reach out and ask everybody, and again, they thought it was uh, all a pipe dream. Um, I want to give you a couple of numbers here <clears throat> on passing grades, pass blocking grades from over the weekend for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, as I told you earlier in the show. All five offensive linemen were credited with a sack given up, okay? So, here were the pass blocking grades from Pro Football Focus for the offensive line for the Falcons this weekend. 77-6 for Jake Matthews. He was the head of the class. So, Matthews was a 77-6. Next up was Matthew Bergeron, who was a 72.7. Caleb McGarry was a 61.9. Lindstrom was a 61.5. By the way, did we not talk about B. John Robinson having to be better? You know what his grade was? 57 as a pass blocker. Drew Dahlman's grade? Pass block. What do you think Drew Dahlman's grade was? Pass blocking. If Bijan was a 57, I'd say Drew might have been uh, 49. 40.9. Wow was his pass blocking grade. And so, again, you have basically three of your five offensive linemen that grade out below average and, and one that graded out dreadful. You're not going to win like that. You know, you're going to have to throw the football at some point. You're going to have to at least have some balance at some point. But that those pass blocking grades were were not very good. And, and on true passing situations... Bergeron was a 60.6. Um, Dolman was a 75.7. 69.5 for Lindstrom. 72.4 for McGarry. And Matthews was a 72. 
So again, that's in true passing, true a true passing set. We're basically empty backfield, shotgun, you know, all those kinds of things that that you're you're, you're guaranteed that you're going to throw it uh, in there, and and the teams know it. So again, all five guys ended up giving up the sack. So tough day at the office for the offensive line. All right, when we come back, Chad Bishop will join us after Tech's really good win on the road at Wake Forest as you get ready for Bowling Green coming up this Saturday. Chuck in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, big win for Tech uh, on the road uh, in Wake Forest. Now come back home against one of the uh, worst offensive teams in uh, all of college football with Bowling Green. And, uh, of course, they'll be getting ready in a couple of weeks for that showdown with the Miami Hurricanes. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Chad Bishop. He, of course, is the Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work. Follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show, coming off a really nice win for Georgia Tech. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, we uh, we talked about, you know, before the season really kind of got underway, you know, the idea of these 50-50 games, right? And you know, they, they dropped one, you know, to Louisville. But, you know, I, I don't know if it was necessarily a 50-50 game, but it sure felt like that. I mean, you, you had to find a way to get a win on the road. And I thought it was a really nice 
dominant performance, both on the offensive side and the defensive side for this team? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you're right. You look at the, the Georgia Tech schedule. You look at Syracuse. You look at Wake Forest. You look at Louisville. Um, you know, those are the games that Georgia Tech – I mean, you, you can even throw Bowling Green into that that equation. Those are the games that Georgia Tech has to have if they're going to make a bowl game and they drop that one against Louisville to start the season. And, and you go to Wake Forest, and granted, Wake Forest has been really, really good, right, the past two, three, four seasons. But – they're still trying to find themselves. They have a new quarterback in Mitch Griffiths, and their schedule has been a little soft, and Georgia Tech's schedule has been a little tougher, so maybe they were a little more seasoned. And for my money, they played the best game they played all year long. They played very well offensively, played outstanding defensively, got some really good plays on special teams. Brent Key always talks about complimentary football, and they did that very well. Um, they can still take it to another level, but to go on the road and beat a program in Wake Forest that uh, has played very well, like I said, the past couple years was very impressive for Georgia Tech to get back to two and two, have a chance to go three and two this weekend against Bowling Green. You know, you're halfway to bowl eligibility before the calendar turns to October. Really a huge step for this program. You know, we talked, Chad, as we previewed the season, you know, about, okay, who's going to replace a Keon White? How do you get after the quarterback? I'll tell you what, Kyle Kennard has been a beast this year, and he's he's pretty much set all career highs just in four games um, this season. But he has been awesome this year. And, look, when you combine the pass rush that he's given them and how good the secondary is, and, again, we saw uh, Jalen King, you know, be the, the defensive back, you know, of the week for the, uh, the ACC. You know, if you can get that pass rush up there, they're good enough on the defensive backfield side to really kind of disrupt some teams it's funny you mentioned Keon White and and Kyle Kennard in the same breath because Kyle Kennard is on record as saying he really you know went under Keon White's wing and really picked his brain on how to approach the game how to approach film practice uh, the mental side of things and Brent Key talked today a lot about Kyle Kennard like the kid has got all the potential in the world world he's got all the talent in the world he had, you know, four sacks on Saturday against Wake Forest, but also had about 50 yards and penalties. So there, there's a give and take there, and there's, you know, he's still, still a coming of age for that young man to try to figure out how do I balance sort of my aggressiveness with not making some timely mistakes. Uh, and, but if he continues to grow and continues to play that way, he's going to be a dominant force for that Georgia Tech defensive line. And, and I thought it was interesting to hear Brent Key talk today about sort of the matchups he's working with on that defensive front, that he's got a lot of guys up there who have a lot of different skill sets, can play defensive tackle, nose tackle, defensive end, can maybe stand up and, and sort of play that rushing nickel position. Um, and that's really going to be an advantage for Georgia Tech moving forward if they can keep a lot of those guys healthy to create a pass rush that was really non-existent in the first three games. I mean, they had one sack and uh, hardly any tackles for loss, and then boom, out of nowhere, those guys came to life. So they really need that moving forward, especially when they get into ACC play starting in October. Chad Bishop, the Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's uh, let's flip over to the offensive side of the football. I mean, you know, in all honesty, I, I don't know how much more you could ask out of Haynes King. He's been 65% plus completion, 1,100 yards already, really good touchdown-to-turnover ratio, He's picked up 148 yards on the ground. I, I don't know that you could ask a whole lot more 
out of Haynes King and what he's delivered for this team this year? It's been impressive. Uh, I think he's taken everybody by storm. Um, you know, maybe internally um, they, they thought he would give Georgia Tech what they're what he's given them. I don't know if they'd admit publicly that he's given them a lot more than they thought. I mean, uh, when, when he was named starter, you know, in late August, uh, it, it took me by surprise. Honestly, I, I, I thought Zach Pyron might be the guy given what he did in 2022 in the spring that he had, but they went with Haynes King and he has been so impressive. The, the thing that stood out to me about Haynes King is you look at those numbers, you look at his completion percentage, the yards, the touchdowns. I like that when it's it's third and five and there's nothing there, Haynes King throws the ball out of bounds, right? He doesn't force it. He doesn't turn the ball over. That, to me, is a sign of a mature quarterback, uh, a guy who, who may has aspirations to play at the next level, who understands that, hey, we're going to have to punt here. I don't have anything. I'm not going to try to make a play. He's done that time and time again, and that, to me, shows – you know, sort of a leader. And, and, you know, I've heard, you know, you hear the guys on the team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, talk about him. uh, And there's some reverence for him. I I think he he leads that huddle. uh, He leads that locker room. And that's big for this Georgia Tech team. Uh, He's playing at a different level, uh, really under the radar because the ACC has such a, a deep quarterback room. I mean, look at the guys in the league that are playing at a high level and nobody's really talking about Haynes King. And I think that kind of works to Georgia Tech's advantage right now. And, and you know, and, and I, I don't mean this in, in bad ways. I know you haven't been here as long. And, you know, again, when you look at this program, it, it's felt like for a long time now, it's about putting a good athlete at quarterback and not necessarily a guy who's a great quarterback. And, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, you know, it's been good athletes at quarterback, but we haven't had good quarterback play. Like, we haven't had a guy who looks and acts like a true quarterback. And I think that's the big thing that we're seeing now with Haynes King is he is a quarterback. Like, he's a top-flight quarterback prospect. But, but more than that, it's not just a guy who can athletically run the offense. He looks like a legitimate quarterback in this system. You know, I go back to a conversation that Brent Key had over the summer at uh, the Celebrity Golf Tournament uh, in Atlanta where he talked about Joe Hamilton and how when, when Brent Key was blocking for Joey Hamilton, how he felt that way. You know, that there was a quarterback that, that he, you know, wanted to block for, that he trusted in, that he knew that if you know, his team was down three with a minute to go, backed up on their own five-yard line, that Georgia Tech was going to drive the ball down the field and either tie the game or win the game. And I, I sort of get the sense that I, I don't know if, if Haynes King is, is there yet. I mean, he hasn't had that, you know, coming-of-age defining moment where he, he takes the team down the field to, to win a big game necessarily. But, I mean, I mean, you're right. He is the prototypical quarterback. He's kind of that Friday night lights guy. He's from East Texas. He's got the, the Texas draw. You know, he – he grew up playing quarterback. His dad's a high school football coach. He, he really is a quarterback in every sense of the word. Uh, and like you said, maybe the, the first true quarterback Georgia Tech has had in a long, long time. You know, the other thing that I'm really enjoying, Chad, is two things about the, the running backs. One is you got two guys that, that lead the team as far as rushing attempts go that are both averaging over five yards a carry. But you also have a couple of guys that – Jamal Haynes has already got 11 catches out of the backfield. Trevor, uh, sorry, uh, Travion Cooley already has eight catches out of the backfield. Like, I, I, I like the fact that, A, 
the offensive line is blocking pretty well for these guys, and B, the fact that they're throwing to these running backs. And again, maybe maybe there's different reasons for that, but I like having running backs that can catch the football out of the backfield and get themselves into some space. Yeah, I, I think Buster Faulkner, offensive coordinator, and Chris Winkie, quarterbacks coach, co-offensive coordinator, have done a a really sort of masterful job of getting those guys out on the perimeter, almost like a toss sweep, right? And in this new age of college mm-hmm. football, like you're not going to line up in the eye formation and run student body right and student body left. So getting those guys out there, dumping the ball down to them, breaking big time pass plays uh, that actually you know sort of act as run game as run plays. And, and Jamal Haynes, I mean, he was a converted wide receiver. It was only a month ago that he was a wide receiver for this Georgia Tech offense, and they moved him into the backfield. Uh, Trey Cooley's been phenomenal in that regard, catching the ball in the backfield. And they haven't even had a, a fully healthy Dante Smith. Brent Key said this week that Dante Smith, you know, is in the top 40 for career rushing yards at Georgia Tech. He hasn't played the last two weeks, and he should be available this week. So th- they thought it would be a running back by committee coming into this season. They've had two guys play exceptionally well, and now they could be getting a third one back in Dante Smith. You're right. They've, they've done a very good job of running the ball, but yeah, uh, it just adds another dimension when you got two guys who you can dump the ball down to, who you can send out on on routes. I've seen Jamal Haynes run, uh, line up at wide receiver more more often than not because again, he, he was a wide receiver in fall camp and in the spring, so he's certainly capable of going out there and lining up in that position. Uh, it just makes it really hard on defenses to to defend. Where's Jamal Haynes? Where's Trey Cooley? Who's getting the ball? Uh, makes this offense really, really dynamic. So as we look toward this game against Bowling Green, um, you know, look, the reality is is that this is not a very good Bowling Green team. I mean, they they have really struggled offensively. I think they I think they only average like 18 points a game or somewhere around that. Like they're not even at 20 points per game. And you're not going to win many football games in the world of college football in 2023 if you can only score 18 points a game, unless you have Georgia's defense um, to back that up. But Again, they're another one of these MAC teams that doesn't play really well. They don't do a lot of great things offensively. This feels like that kind of get-right game. But, you know, again, we've seen Tech sometimes overlook these types of teams. And with the game, you know, lingering in Miami, you know, or I should say with the Hurricanes coming up here, this feels like take care of business early, get this team buried early, and then, you know, let's let's worry about, you know, what's coming up with Miami, you know, down the road here. Well, this is, for my money, this is the trappiest of trap games, right? Like, you, you had your season opener in Mercedes-Benz, a lot of hype. You had your home opener. You had a big-time road matchup in the SEC at Ole Miss. You got to go to Wake Forest, sold-out crowd against a program that's been really good in your league for a long time. And then you come home, and it's 3.30 in the afternoon against Bowling Green. That's one in three, probably not a good crowd. Are you going to sleepwalk through this, right? Are you going to you know, come out and put your uh, foot on the gas pedal and blow this team out? Because there's really no excuse against a Bowling Green team that's one in three. Yeah, they started one in three last year and made a bowl game, but th- this team so far through four games has, has not been good. They've turned the ball over a lot. Uh, they, have, they have a very, very porous rush defense. Yeah, they played Michigan and a really, really good Ohio team and lost to a Liberty team that's sort of a perennial bowl contender. But there's really no excuse for Georgia Tech being a 20-point favorite to not come out and easily win this game. But like I said, it's that trap game going into the month of October when you got a bunch of ACC games lined up. 
Uh, you, you've gotten a lot of accolades. You get a lot of pats on the back this week about how well you played at Wake Forest and the way your defense played and how great Haynes King has been. So th- this to me, more than that Wake Forest win, right? Like this is the game that will sort of tell me what we're dealing with here with this Georgia Tech football team. Can they come out and avoid that letdown, avoid that trap game and take care of business to go to three and two? Chad Bishop, he is the beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering Georgia Tech. You can follow all of his work at AJC.com and follow him on his personal Twitter page at Mr. Chad Bishop. And he joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Chad, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show. We'll be watching uh, this weekend and um, we'll talk again here soon. Great. Thanks so much. You got it. When we come back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. I got to say that this Chandler Jones story is very strange to wrap my arms around. That's up next. Chuckery in the Key Studios. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Back at it, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios with you. Going to take you until 10 o'clock. What do we got? Atlanta soccer tonight is coming up next. So that's uh, that's always good stuff. So uh, right now, not good for the uh, Atlanta Braves. They are down 5 nothing right now and facing, I don't know, is Justin Steele going to finish first or second in the uh, Cy Young voting? I mean, most likely he's going to finish Somewhere in that uh, area, um, he's on the mound tonight, and he's not given up any run. Excuse me to the Braves thus far. Elder has not been hit hard, but he's had some bad luck, and he's out now. He pitched three and two thirds innings, seven hits, five earned runs, four walks. That's also his undoing. Two strikeouts in seventy-seven pitches. Um, again, it's not like that they've hit him hard. They haven't been bashing home runs. They don't have a home run, uh, but, uh, again, just, you know, a 1,000 cuts. And um, Justin Steele, three and two-thirds, two hits. He's rolling right along. His ERA is now at 2.94. Day-Day, uh, did you see the news before we get to what's bugging Chuckery? Did you see the news of who is now joining the uh, WWE uh, I did not see. Is it is it what we talked about the last week? Uh, Jade. Yes. Okay. So okay, Jade yeah. Cargill is officially. She, it is official now. She has signed. Okay. A, she has signed a multi-year deal. Um, it looks like she's going to start at NXT, and I will say good for her. I mean, one is 
again, I know she always wanted to go to the WWE, and we had a lot of fun talking to her, whatever it was. Um, I don't know. I, six months ago, a year ago? I don't I'm gonna know. Say, I think that was about a year ago because I didn't actually yeah. get to do the show, but I do remember the, the you know all the booking of it and everything. Well, she um, – so, again, I know it was a dream of hers to go to WWE, and now she's going to get proper training because if there's one thing that the WWE has done really well – it is train and develop their women wrestlers. And if you look at the old days of NXT, when it was Sasha Banks and Bailey and the four horsewomen, right? I mean, Charlotte, Becky, right? Carmella. I mean, they have done a great job at training and developing their women wrestlers. Again, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler. You know, they have done a great job of training their wrestlers. And it's going to do her a ton of good. Because I, I will tell you, I love Jane Cargill, but she's still green. She's very green. And they they booked her in a way where she would have a lot of these squash matches and just beat the tar out of people, but she never really got a chance to wrestle. And in the WWE, you're going to have to have, if when you're going to main event with the women, you're going to have to have wrestling matches. Like, you're going to have to wrestle. It can't. It's not going to be just squash, squash, squash. When you line up against Becky and Bianca and Charlotte and Rhea, that's wrestling. That that's where you've got to be the best of the best. And the women in the WWE, I mean, far out, out exceed anything that WWE or sorry AEW can come up with. Yeah, and that's not a knock against AEW, but again, the WWE women wrestlers far exceed anything that AEW. Like when you have. When you have Charlotte and Rhea and all these people, like they can main event pay-per-views. They can do that. You don't have people in the, in the AEW that can main event on the women's side of things. And and I'm not, I, and again, with all due respect to Soraya and, you know, Ruby uh, Soho and all this, that, and the other, those women can't main event pay-per-views. They're, they're not at, at level. Bianca and Becky and Charlotte and Rhea, that can main event pay-per-views. I mean, again, this this past WrestleMania, that's the best women's wrestling match of all time is Rhea versus Charlotte. Like that's the best match I've ever seen, yeah. uh, and, and it's not even close. I mean, and and again, Becky and Charlotte probably had a couple of those that were probably second and third, but again, they are at a different level. It will do her a ton of good to get into the developmental system. Um, also, too, uh, did we talk about this last Friday when The Rock? was on oh yeah uh, a couple fridays ago yeah 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 when he came out yeah well you know his daughter wrestled yes. in, in nxt mm-hmm. so again um did you hear him on pat mcafee earlier in the day when he said that it was a done deal with him and roman mm-hmm. for that wrestlemania and in this past this past year right and so stadium he said they first got together in january of 2022. Now that makes sense because again, the WWE will typically go a year in advance, mm-hmm. schedule the main event and work backward to setting everything up. So that doesn't surprise me. But you know, I I think we're going to see the Rock at WrestleMania 40. Yeah. WrestleMania 40 is in Philadelphia this year. I think we're going to see the Rock. 
Yeah, I I, I kind of started wondering, though, what's going Because obviously him and Cena showing up, obviously, was also a result of the strikes. But now that yes. they've come to some type of agreement, I'm wondering um, how that's going to play a role in, in now, how much we will actually start to see them over the, you know, prior to WrestleMania and, well, and everything. I, I will tell you, they're going to pull out all the stops for WrestleMania 40. Like, Endeavor is going to, Endeavor and Vince are going to pull out all of the stops for WrestleMania 40 mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Like they are going to they are going to have the top 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 guys. And you know, we keep waiting to see because it's it's been rumored that Bill Goldberg is going to have a final match. I wouldn't be surprised if that's WrestleMania 40. And I know he's a free agent Technically, but you could bring him back on a legend deal. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Goldberg doesn't have a retirement match at WrestleMania 40. The Rock doesn't come back at WrestleMania 40. John Cena doesn't come back at WrestleMania. Like I can see WrestleMania 40 being the biggest spectacle of all yeah. time. Yeah, I mean they they will pull out all of the stops for all of that stuff. So we'll see what happens. But he said it was a The Rock said it was a done deal with uh, him and Roman um, wrestling this past year. It was supposed to be him and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39 in SoFi Stadium. I mean. I wonder if they, they could, again, now that the strike seems like it's going to work itself out, They could. I was going to say they could still pull that off of 40 some kind of way. Only thing is right oh, now yeah. they got Jay kind of rolling with uh, Sammy and, and, and Owen and, and, and Cody right now. It, it's still it's still about Roman Reigns. Yeah. I mean, again, it all revolves around, look, Roman Reigns is the biggest box office draw mm-hmm. in wrestling today. Yeah. And SmackDown was the house rock, the rock built. Mm-hmm. People yes. don't roll out. People yeah. don't realize that yeah. that was that was the house the Rock that built. That was. I mean, that was. <laughs> I mean, so um, again, I you know, it's I I think they'll pull out all the stops for WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia, and it will be a star-studded event. But interesting to hear that that match was on the books and it was supposed to happen. You know, and they just couldn't work out some of the other details and stuff like that. Because the Rock has said he'll fit his schedule around it. To, to do WrestleMania, if mm-hmm. that's what it calls for. Um, and, again, he's got all the money. He's got more money than the federal yeah. government. I mean, I mean yeah. again, he's not hurting for money. But but it will be interesting to see. So, anyway, all right, let's get to what we call a quick what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. You know, this Chandler Jones story has, I don't know, more holes in it than than a pound of Swiss cheese to it. So, Day-Day, have you seen this story? The Raiders defensive end Chandler Jones wrote in a social media post on Monday night that he was taken to a hospital, quote, against my will, unquote, by the Las Vegas Fire Department and later transferred to a behavioral health facility last week. Now, last week he was placed on the non-football illness by the Raiders with what the team described as a personal matter. He's been away from the team since Labor Day weekend when he began a when he began a series of social media posts that was aimed at the Raiders owner Mark Davis, general manager Dave Ziegler, and coach Josh McDaniels. 
So he wrote in his post on Monday night, quote, first day out, but I'm still aligned, indicating that money was his first Monday was his first day out of the facility. He attached journal entries plus a statement of patients' rights from the Seven Hills Behavioral Hospital in Las Vegas, highlighting sections of the document he believes were not followed at by the facility. Now, again, he go they go on and, and describe some of the things, and he says that he wrote to the general manager six or seven times asking for help, but he said that he never answered him. Can I ask a question? If I'm in that kind of situation, why are you reaching out to the general manager? Why are you not contacting your lawyers? I promise you, he's got a lawyer. He's got family. He's got the police. I mean, there's no way that even if the general manager isn't stepping in and advocating or that the fire department arbitrarily put him in there on, on again, this is, and he said, I'm still confused on what I did wrong. I'm stuck here. I'm very sane. I'm too strong of a person to be mentally broken. Now, again, how did the fire department lock him in a facility like this? And how do you not have your lawyer drawing up papers, suing everybody, getting a court injunction, whatever it is? Like, how is your lawyer not involved in every bit of this and his family. Like, why are you writing to the general manager if you think he had something to do with it? They said ESPN reached out to the Las Vegas Department, or Police Department for comment. And, and they said that they have, and the Raiders have said that they have referred to Jones's matter as a private matter and declined further comment. Of course they did. Now, again, you mean to tell me that a guy that's got millions of dollars in the bank, that if he gets locked up in a situation like this where, again, supposedly he was putting some things on social media that were, you know, again, bad against the Raiders organization, then why would you contact the general manager? Like, if you were talking bad about the organization, don't reach out to the general manager. What do you think he's going to do for you? Reach out to your lawyer. Reach out to the police. Reach out to your family. I don't know if Chandler is, is married and has kids or whatever, but don't you reach out to anybody but, you know, again, if you think your boss had something to do with you being put in to a facility like this, why would you reach out to your boss? Wouldn't that be the last person that you reach out to? The last person that you ask a comment for? Of course he didn't write you back. Because if he had something to do with it, again, he's not going to do anything to help you. And again, I don't know what the situation is on this. He said he was taken to Southern Hills Hospital in Las Vegas and then transferred to Seven Hills where they tried to force me to take meds and injections. How do you not have a lawyer draw up the papers and say, get my client out of here? Again, this is a very very strange thing. He's in his second season of a three-year, $51 million contract that he signed, you know, with it. And again, if it really is this kind of a situation and he's held against his will, the general manager is the last person on this earth 
that I'm trying to reach out to. And he said he left voice messages and this, that, and the other. Well, of course they're not going to respond to you. Of course. Get your lawyer, get your family, get somebody else involved on a personal level and get this thing handled. Again, it's a very strange situation. I don't know what to make out of all of it. I don't know I don't know who to believe in this situation. But let me tell you. See this thing day day? What is this thing? That would be your nose. Okay. Something stinks. Something smells and something stinks with all of it. That's what's bugging Chuckers. All right, coming back. So, will the Braves have a pitching problem coming up this postseason? We'll get into that discussion. Chucker in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, not to the game, honestly.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 